Welcome to Gray Maybe, a limited series podcast and social experiment based on this season's topic, grief. My name is Jillian Schmitz. I'm a professional dancer, actor, teacher, author, artist, and cat lover. Through my own personal journey of recovery, I found that things aren't just black or white or a simple yes or no. For me, in my recovery, there has been mostly gray area and a lot of maybes. In most of my stories, you can find the gray maybe. I'll be sharing my own process through personal stories and interviews with others in an effort to help investigate the process of and recovery through grief. If you'd like to share your story, please email graymaybestories at gmail.com. G-R-E-Y-M-A-Y-B-E-S-T-O-R-I-E-S at gmail.com. Before we get started, if you haven't already, please subscribe on whichever platform you're using to catch future episodes of Gray Maybe. A note before we start. My stories and the stories of others on this podcast are told through the lens of our own experience. The revelation of our process is ours to tell. If you disagree with the views or stories on this podcast, know that we are not speaking on anything other than our own experiences and viewpoints. Take what you like and leave the rest. Nothing expressed or mentioned in this podcast is an endorsement or is meant to be taken as advice. It is strictly the sharing of our own experiences and recovery. Any feelings this podcast activates in the listener is for the listener to process and recover from. Any criticism you have based on these experiences and choices are yours, and they are not anyone else's burden to carry. Trigger warning, death, brain cancer, sudden death. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Gray Maybe. I'm really glad you're tuning in. If you are a fan of Gray Maybe and you listen all the time, I'm so happy that you are listening all the time. And if you're just tuning in today, I'm so glad to have you and I hope you consider listening to some other episodes. Today, I have a wonderful, wonderful lady who I actually haven't been able to see in a long time. So this is exciting for me. Her name is Abby Puanani. She and I know each other because she used to co-own a company called Dollhouse Entertainment. If you are in the burlesque and nightlife world, you know you know who Dollhouse Entertainment is. You know who Abby is. You know who Miss Dakota is. They had a company together, very successful. I did some of their shows. I worked with them. I got to see a lot of their shows. And they have split that company. And now Abby has a company called Concrete Entertainment Group, still doing shows, some really great shows. And that is how I know Abby. Now, Abby has been very, very transparent about the subject of grief. And I've always found that super remarkable and super bold. And I've never, it's never been uh, a situation where, oh no, there's that sad person. I need to avoid them. But someone who was really real about their process and let kind of people know what their process was and how they were going through it. And I think it was a great example. I always think of her as this really great example of someone kind of like letting people know where they were in this process. Because unlike Abby, 
I am not good at letting people know where I'm at in my process. I keep it all inside. I don't say a lot. That is actually not helpful because people don't know how to interact with you when you might be going through something. So with all that being said, Abby, welcome to Gray Maybe. Uh, is there Thank anything you. you'd like to add <laughs> to that weird internet? It was kind of like up, down, side, <laughs> I hit a couple corners no. and, and, and areas there right off the bat. Anything you want to share about what you're doing now or anything to add? Yeah, I don't really have anything exciting to talk about, frankly. I'm just like in my little world, just trying to, you know, survive in, <laughs> in this chaotic landscape. But, uh, you know, I'm having some fun, getting some work done. I started making candles, you know, like, oh just, my I literally have them. I'll get you one. I got them yes, right here. <laughs> I, I need one. I'm a, I'm a candle whore. I'm, I'm a candle whore. I'm very specific about my fragrances, but you know, you know, I, but I am a candle whore. Um, you know, I can't, I can't relate more to just like, I'm just in my world doing my thing, (laughs) figuring it out. That's exactly where I've been. Um, especially in the last couple years of the quote unquote chaotic world, I could not agree more. Well, Um, I just, um, to jump right in, I basically like, I feel like I'm just now coming up from air and for air. And that's not necessarily just COVID. It was, um, I got hit really hard every two years up until like this year. So it was my mom died, a significant relationship ended. COVID happened, meaning my, my livelihood was just shot. And it was like every single time I started to maybe get like a little bit back into the swing of things, something else just came and like my entire world would collapse again. And I feel like I'm truly just getting, I was talking to someone um, a few days ago and I was like, I feel like I'm getting myself back finally after these things um, have all just consecutively happened. And now I'm starting to feel like myself. I'm starting to feel like, oh, I can have some fun. I can like, you know, go out in the world and do things. But it's right. like, you know, it's been a difficult time for everyone. But, you know, I just, I was like, one more thing cannot happen. <laughs> Please. Yeah, like, everybody only some- has so much to, that they can take. And yeah, that's yeah. like, definitely there's, you know, in the season, throughout the season, we're talking about compound grief and also like compound losses, you know, like I wish people would associate relationships with loss and grief more because that is what happens, right? Like when you go through a breakup and it doesn't matter what the reasoning is, even if on the best terms and you're, even if you're the one who decided I need to move on and do something different, like there is a readjustment, there's a mourning, there's a loss and there's a grief. And, you know, everybody talks like, it's almost like we want to have any other name for grief. It's like, oh, I'm yeah. going through a breakup. And everybody knows what that means. Or I'm going through a divorce, right? And everybody knows what that is. But what it is, is it's kind of like blankets this idea that like, no, I'm grieving. Like I'm grieving, you know, yeah. how I got to this place, going through what 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 I went through to get here. You know, looking back, all you know, if you didn't want that situation to end, all of the, you know, a- ambiguous uh, uh, losses that you had planned for the future, you know, like the expectations or the dreams of that. And it's a lot. Um, and I want to spend a lot of the season kind of like really 
exploring how as a society like we don't really want to deal with grief we're very uncomfortable by it we'll call it by any other name we don't know how to go through it we don't know how to help other people through it and you know and I don't know if I'm going to come up with any answers at all but (laughs) but maybe it'll be a nice resource for people to tune in and hear from people who you know have gone through the fire and like yourself every every year two years walked through that fire again and to find you on the other side coming up for air. So you, as you so eloquently yeah. said, and like how that is, you know, like that hope that like, hey, it can come back around and um, that other people have been simultaneously dumped on over and over and over again, you know, that it's not just. Yeah, man, it's just one foot in front of the other constantly. Like, you know, stagnant is the worst thing that you could like being stagnant, not not um, trying to keep going, not trying to do the things even if it's just going for a walk or what it's that's that's what will kill you it's when you just listen we all have moments where we're like screw it i i give up i'm gonna sit on my couch and i'm gonna watch tv all day and that's that and i don't mean that as in stagnant i just mean like losing the absolute will to carry on is when you know you're really in trouble and you need to seek some help but uh Luckily, I have uh, a good support system, um, people who understand what I've been through um, in some capacity. No one can fully understand because every single person's grief is different because um, in the instance of I lost my mother. And so that grief is different than losing a relationship or losing a friend. That it, That's completely separate. My relationship with my mother was different than anyone else on the planet. So my grief is going to be different. I my best friend lost her father. Uh, I want to say two years ago, um, and her grief was different than mine. But we share we shared the compassion for each other and what we were going through at that time. And um, it, it's just a matter of allowing people to grieve in the way they need to grieve, as long as they're not harming themselves. Um, you know, you just gotta, you have to let people go through what they're going through, uh, without judgment. That's my biggest thing. It's the judgment. I have a, I have a lot of thoughts on that. (laughs) I feel like I was judged. Yeah. I I think I was judged, um, pretty harshly behind my back by several people about the way that I grieved my mother after she passed. But really um, first. Yeah. So first of all, fuck you. If, if you're judging anyone right. on how they're grieving. Right. So, sure. so my mom was a very lively woman. She um, lived a big, full life. You've probably met her. She used to come to all of our shows. I do like, think I met her. Um, and I, I do like, and I don't know, like, I can't recall you guys' relationship, but I feel like you guys were very close. And that's why this was like yes. really especially hard. I think you know, everybody has different relationships with their parents. My father passed in April. We had a complicated relationship. So my grief is complicated, um, you know, like, and in some ways it could be easier to move through that. I knew he was ill for a long time. We had a complicated relationship. I had been spending years kind of working through that relationship yep. and being the best I could be in it and for myself and all of those things. But when you have a parent that is like, someone who is a ride or die, like on that level, like it's a whole different grief. So, but B, you felt yeah. people judged you for maybe being very public about it or how you dealt with it. Well, uh, because I think, um, 
people who were not in my inner circle did not see what was truly happening. They only saw what's happening on social media. So they saw me go to Coachella about a month after my mom passed. They saw me go to Hawaii. They saw me traveling because that's literally what she told me to do. She told me to celebrate. She told me uh, that this was in no way to um, stop my life. And uh, I was to keep going no matter what and just be be the person I am and don't not let her not being here anymore, you know, crush me. And of course it did crush me. Yeah. It was the worst thing that has ever happened to me. But it, every single person is going to go through this. I am not special in that. Uh, it was just she was basically my whole whole family. And well, I'm going to so, stop you. I'm going to pause you for yeah. one second because, and I don't want to interject because I love everything you're saying. This is just what ran through my head. Yes, everyone will lose their parents. And that is a, that is a, uh, a, a, a blessing that you're old enough to lose your parents, that you outlived your parents, right? That you are having a longer life than your parents. However, because of how different relationships work, you losing your mom may be like someone else losing their favorite pet. And I'm not, I am not at all yeah. relating your yes. mom to someone's pet, but 100%. If you just think of the thing that you don't want to lose most. And that's the one. So when someone yeah. tells you that was the worst thing that happened to me, that's their greatest loss. That's their greatest grief. And you know, it may not be how they feel about their parents or, or some family member. It may not be how they feel about, you know, this side or the other, or uh, so Yes, everyone will lose, quote unquote, their parents, but not everybody might have had a bond with their parent like you did. And so that exactly. is like, it's, it's magnified, but go on. So yeah, I, I didn't lose and your she was, train of thought. No, you're totally fine. She, well, she, just in summary, she was basically like, she wanted me to go skydiving. She wanted me to meet these people. She wanted me to go get shaved ice from this one stand in Hawaii, like Things that she had talked about wanting to do with me or for me or have me do, uh, I was like, you know what? Let's roll. And I was, this was actually a really cool thing that happened. Um, Brittany O'Connor can uh, attest to this too. She was in the car with me. So, Brittany and my mom used to talk a lot. My mom became pretty close with uh, some of my closest people. And Brittany is a little daredevil. She goes scuba diving all the time. She's jumped out of several airplanes. Like she, she loves the rush. And so my mom was like, let's all go skydiving. And I'm like, lady, you're in your late sixties. I'm never jumping out of something. I should be just sitting quietly in with a seatbelt on. Like it's not happening. Right. Let's and not test was... fate here. I, I'm lucky to get on a plane and live through the flight, let alone jumping Dude. off of it. Like I've got enough yeah. anxiety just for the, for the regular commercial flight. Okay. <laughs> Literally, if I'm having to take a, like a, a a mood stabilizer to just get on the plane, <laughs> right. imagine what the fuck I have to take to jump out of it. So right, right. after she passed, we were um, driving up north. Someone was adopting uh, her cat that she had, and uh, we were taking the cat to them. And all of a sudden, I look over, and it's like people are just falling out of the sky. It is Stop one it. after another after an, like 10 at least <clears throat> people had just parachuted out from somewhere and it's and it's me and Brittany and she's like guess we're gonna have to and I was like yeah mom you don't have to be so loud like I, yeah, like so I I'll obvious. do it I'll, so obvious and it was I've never in my life seen just like 
a ton of, like, I've seen a skydiver. That's not new, but like, it, it was so many of them that I was like, okay, now she's just throwing people out of the air mm-hmm. so that I will go jump out of a plane. Fine. I'll give in. I, I'll tell you right now, so- I have driven all across the whole United States when I've been on shows and tours with Mickey Avalon. And I'm a lot of times the one driving. We have a very small tribe and crew yeah, nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> and I have driven all over. I've been in the middle of fucking nowhere all over this United States. I have been to every state minus Alaska <laughs> in the United States, some multiple times, multiple cities. I have never seen anyone skydive, like, like come down, like I'm just driving and like plop. No, I have never, yeah. not, not one, not much less a, a dozen or more. Like more a gaggle one. of humans uh, no. just no, <laughs> no, never seen it. it has never run into me ever. And I, I, yeah, it's just, yeah, no. So it was wild. So it's like, you know what, believe whatever you want, but the coincidence of that ha- happening was kind of insane especially with the person I was with what we were doing at the time the whole trip was circled around her and then she's like still gotta go skydiving I'm like quit being so pushy Jesus did you guys do it I did it we did did it it? holy (laughs) shit it was it was uh I will tell you it's not as terrifying as once you once you get yourself out of the plane it's quite relaxing actually I I did enjoy it but the the ride up was garbage and the oh pilot the pilot was eating like he had a bag of wendy's he's just like no. eating wendy's no. i'm like can that not be the last Absolutely thing i not. smell no I, that's what i was gonna I say is, does this yeah. have to be the last thing i smell that's exactly what i thought yeah. like i'm gonna yeah okay no oh my god but i did it what a funny story Congrats. i don't know I'm that i'll do it, it again yeah, Thanks. but it was it was fun. It was like it was perfect for Brittany and I because I think it was a way for it was a way for us to bond as well because she, in her own way, was close to my mom, and so it was kind of like an honoring her situation. Right. But like, not everyone knows that, and so you know, I I, I got sort of I can't even remember the comments that I got, but at one point it was like, "Well, you're handling this really well," and it's like, "Oh, dude, like what a way to say that." too because there's another way to say that and that way is um i'm so glad it looks like you're you're doing okay yeah yes exactly not not the well you're doing fine like what does that imply like that you're just happy about it that like you're cool like you're like that you're soulless that you're not sitting at home crying now i find it insane that you that people were giving you that kind of uh a, 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 yeah. a, a feedback because what I've noticed for myself and just in other moments where, you know, I have a right to be visibly upset is that I feel this overarching feeling that people want me to be okay. And the more that I'm okay, the better they feel because it's more comfortable for them. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I know nobody wants to, most people are not trying to make it about them, but I think it's just natural for people not to want to feel anxiety, not to want to feel sadness, not, and, and to, when they see someone suffering, feel so out of control and powerless that they need to crack a joke. I'm guilty of that all the time, that they need to offer a solution, that they need to change the subject, that they need to give advice, that they need to say at least that they need to do like all of the, all of these things to like mediate their own anxiety of watching you have a reaction And so I've always felt kind of when I talk to people, 
you know, how badly are they invested in me feeling okay right now? How much? And and I I've talked about it with you know like in other in other episodes about like the people pleasing of that, like noticing my own people pleasing in that moment of like, well, how how much do I really want to get into it, or can I just make them feel better in this moment? So I I can't yeah. believe people were giving you that kind of judgment, and it's because I feel that like it seems so much like people can't tolerate the the uncomfortableness of it. So they'd be like, happy, oh, I'm so glad you're doing things. I'm so glad you're getting out there, you know, which also does give another kind of false impression that you're moved on when in actuality, yeah. these are the things you were trying to do to honor your mom is like a series of yes. small funerals almost. Like, everybody yeah. understands. What Literally, I was spreading her ashes like in all these special places. Like, yeah. I'm like people aren't seeing that they're seeing me have this snow cone be like, my yeah. mom told me to get this. Yay. Meanwhile, yeah. I'm in the ocean, like hysterically yeah. crying, like spreading yeah. her ashes, you know, yeah. like they don't see that. Right. So that makes mind sense your business, to me. man. <laughs> right. Everybody understands the funeral and everybody understands the celebration of life. That's dressing it up. That's supposed to be a happy funeral, which like, let's Oh, I don't know about that because that's what I did. And that was one of the scenes where I felt the most judged. Because you did a celebration of life and you were too happy at it or something? Yeah. Yep. I felt I felt like I was too happy. Because You felt like were, you were too happy. Well, uh, based on other people's uh, reaction, it made me feel like you I feel was being like, too okay. happy. So it was very, like, kind of tiptoeing around me, not knowing how to act. I'm like, just act like I'm act- acting. Like, do you have a good story. Tell me a good story. We're supposed to be celebrating right, here. Like right. I don't, if I cry great, but I don't feel like I want to cry at this moment. I'm supposed to be celebrating her. This is like her, her wish, you know? And it right. was very like, some people sort of wanted to be somber about it and that's their, that's fine. That's their thing. But you're, you're actually here for me now. <laughs> right. Right. So Funerals are for the celebration me. of life. It's, it's for the living actually. Like, I mean, yes, you're celebrating the person, but they, you know, they may or may not, you know, they might be onto their next thing or, you know, int- I don't know. I don't know what happens, but it's yeah. definitely much more from, well, cause I'll tell you right now, the funeral for my father was a very traditionally Catholic funeral. Um, my dad was not super religious. <laughs> so that it's for the people who are living his family, his, ex, mm-hmm. you know, the family members that were left on both my mom and my dad's side are all Catholic, you know, somewhat religious. So like, it was very much about them that yeah. more than I feel like it was about him. And that's fine. I, it didn't bother yeah. me, but I also was much more like you in that scenario. I did not cry at the funeral. I gave a eulogy. It was very important for me to say what, to speak the eulogy so that people could hear the story and not hear my emotion behind it. Like I wanted sure. my words to be clear because I was very specific about the words I had written and I wanted people to hear that message and not everything else around it. And I think like- That's exactly right. Funerals also in general, it's hard to separate the grief for that person from people's own fear of their own mortality, right? Their own- yeah. A lot of it, it's, you can't always separate what, you know, if someone's, it's kind of a collective grief of like, oh my God, this is going to happen to me. It's going to happen to everybody. It's going to happen to all the people, other people I really love that are around me. And I, you know, like what is all of those feelings come up, I feel like often. And it's not just even about that person in general. It's about what it brings up for you. 
Um, yeah. So, so this is a good conversation to remind everybody, like, grieving looks different for everyone. Um, yeah. Some people need to do what looks like moving on, but that might be moving through based on what their, uh, you know, what their loved one's wishes were. You know, a lot yeah, of Yeah, and it's ones. like, I just wish people would understand. Do you know how hard it was for me to do those things and go right. celebrate and try and right. be happy as much as I and think of the good things? That was so hard. It's so much easier. It would have been so much easier for me to curl up in a ball the whole time and just cry myself right. to sleep. Oh, which for sure. I, like, done. especially <laughs> if it was that thing that was like, we were supposed to do this together and I'm going to do it not with you no matter how much mm -hmm. they wanted you to, that's not comfortable. It's not fun. That's not a vacation. That's not a walk in the park. Yeah. That's not a good time. <laughs> no. Like you, could, you could try to make it as good a time as you can, but like, let's yeah. be real. It's not ideal, you know? <clears throat> yeah. And the, I, I used to get a lot of, you're so strong, whatever. And it's like, oh, man, okay. Uh, one thing I will say for anyone who has not lost anyone who, who has, loved ones that go through grief or processes like this stop telling them to be strong you're literally telling them to not show their emotion to tough it out and to just right. duck their head and get through it and i think it's so harmful and frankly it makes me want to punch them in the face every time <laughs> someone would be like just be strong it's like you know what no I don't yeah. want to be today. I don't want to be, I don't yeah. have to be the strong one today. I can collapse when I need yeah. to collapse as long as I'm getting myself back up and, you know, not causing harm to myself. Right. But like, this was a, this was a, the biggest life altering thing that has ever happened to me. I don't need to be strong all the time. Right. Thank you right. very much. I agree with that sentiment. And I think there was one person who might have said that to me in regards to the recent passing of my father. And I took, I kind of like, if someone else closer to me would have said it, I probably would have had more of an issue coming from this person who was kind of like an older gentleman who, you know, that tracks. Kind of a, it felt, <laughs> yeah, it felt like a generational thing. So I kind of was like, okay, that, yeah, that mm -hmm. tracks for you. Like, I'm not even going to really address that. But, um, I feel, I feel like there's also, this is slightly off topic. I feel like there's, that also is really hard. If someone who is dealing with a disability or terminally sick or is, um, is fighting cancer when, and they are fighting cancer, but someone's like, they lost their fight or you've got to keep fight. Like if they feel like I am fight, if they are like, I am fighting cancer, then you're like, yes, I keep going, you know, but for people to tell someone you got to be strong you got to keep fighting you got to like because it's like some people that maybe it's like mm -hmm. oh thank you for the encouragement but some people it's like yo what if I don't want to fight anymore and what if I don't have the energy and what if I don't <laughs> feel like it and what if I lose yeah. so then I not only did I lose my life but I lost my fight I lost I lost the fight yeah like, yeah, I got the L. Like, uh, yeah, I'm a yeah. loser because I passed. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> I don't like it. And I do, I do mm -hmm. love, there is, you know, there is, um, there is a certain resiliency in life to have to deal with something really hard or, or deal with your own mortality on that kind of inescapable level. There is a yeah. resiliency that people have when they have to go through that. 
I just don't know if we have the right word for it yet. And I know I get everyone's like intention is to be like encouraging and like whatnot. But I don't know, man, if I'm dealing with some hard shit, the last thing I want to hear is like, you got to fight. I'm like, I'm not a warrior. I didn't go into the army. Like, I can't like, I don't even like firearms. Like, (laughs) yeah. I'm like, not, I'm, not I'm not even not down with a kickboxing type. class. Yeah. <laughs> if I can't, like, yeah. if I can't say it with my words, like, I'm not into it. Like, I only fight with my words. That's about it. But yeah, so I, I, yeah, that's, that's good to know. Like, so in your process, something that was not helpful was people being like, hey, just be strong or you got to be strong. You know, now's the time to be strong. Not helpful. Yeah. My, my friend as well, I don't want to like say her name or anything because she didn't sign up for this, but she's had, um, in our friendship, she's had two major um, instances, a father passing and a brother passing. And even those two griefs looked different on her because the relationships were different. But she and I have talked about this in depth, the whole stay strong, you got to be strong, power through it. And it's like, I'm not running a marathon here. I don't need to power through anything. Sometimes I need to power the fuck down and reset and be in my thoughts and just get and it's it really is just a momentum thing like i i need to when i stop i can't stay there too long when i get up i got to keep it moving when i can and i'm not saying i'm staying strong i'm just living still because what you're doing is getting used to um a new life it's the same thing after relationship you're getting you're you're adjusting to a completely different life after COVID, we're adjusting to a different life. It, it's let me adjust in the way that I need to, to get through this and just ask me if I need anything, you know, see if I want to grab coffee here and there, want to come over and bring like a bottle of wine or like some snacks or something like that's how you can be there for someone without, I don't need words of encouragement, man. I need friends with their hand on my shoulder. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily need you to talk me through how to get through the situation. I just need you to sit with me while I'm in the situation so that I know I have you. And, you know, that's sort of, I think uh, my friend and I have kind of, I don't want to say concert conquered the grief game, but <laughs> we kind you of know your process. What, yeah. Yeah. We know what each one of the other one needs, um, you know, through hers, I'm there for her. But even um, with her grief with her father, <clears throat> I was not able to uh, be there in the same capacity that I was with her previous loss because now I've had a loss. And so now this is actually touching me a little bit too because it's triggering. So it's I was, while I was still able to. Yeah. yeah. And while I was still able to be there and I was. I still absolutely was trying to be the best possible friend. There was a, like a slight step back that I had to take for my mental health as well. Right. right. So, you know, it's, you got to check in with yourself. That's yeah. it. That's what yeah. I think. It's uh, why am I react? I, uh, I definitely had mood situations. I wasn't um, maybe able to communicate as best as I could could because my brain was just in a thousand places and um you know physically when you're going through grief your body feels pain too you know and so you're just going through all this stuff and um i lost my train of thought sorry (laughs) 
<laughs> no, you're, you, this is a relationship with your friend. You both have these griefs, uh, yeah. and you had to kind of step yeah. away for a second because it does. It'll re-trigger some of that if you're not yeah. have enough time and space, and maybe there's never enough time and space, and that's always going to be something you have to kind of monitor. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, it's – you just have to do what's best for you and stop worrying about everyone else. That's yeah. that's where I uh, – that's where I landed. Um, I, I tried it the other way and it didn't work. I tried to be accommodating to other people's emotions while I was going through like the peak of my grief. Um, and I, I think a part of not being able to communicate is a factor in why my relationship and I'm not saying we, we ended because my mother died. That's not the case, but I will say it heightened things. And, uh, you know, it was, it, it brought a lot of things to light and it uh, changed the way I reacted to some things. Cause I didn't maybe have the tolerance I had previously had, right, of um, course. Uh, you know, I was, I had a short little short string that I was hanging on by. And so smaller things would make me react differently than they would in the past. And I just, you know, I would say that that was a contributing factor to that end. Um, but you know, we live and learn, right? <laughs> yeah. I think that's a good point you bring up that when someone is in extreme grief um, and you talked about the body, the, the physical pain that comes with that, which I also mm -hmm. can say someone who's had depression on and off their whole life, that is real. Like there is a body. Yeah. You raised your hand. Like it's, mm -hmm. there's a body aching that you can't quite actually even pick. Like like when people say heartache, that is real. Like when your heart aches, but it's not like I'm having a heart attack. It's a physical, no. it's a pain, but it's a pain nonetheless that is like, uh, you can't always pinpoint it, but it is there. And it's like, it's, it's heavy. And it's, it's painful. And, um, you know, when you're experiencing that kind of uh, sensations and going through a grieving like that or a, a depression, there's a, a you don't have as much tolerance. You don't have the capacity to have some of the patience that you might have on your best day. Right. And that's anybody yes. when you're having a shitty day by the end of the day, if there's been a few mm -hmm. things that have happened that have made that day bad and you haven't been able to turn it around by that night, you're not going to have the patience for, you know, something that normally you would have the patience for, right? Like something yeah. that usually would be funny is now the biggest fucking inconvenience that you've experienced, you know? And I yeah. think that, that's what happens, right? Like there isn't a ton of tolerance. There isn't a ton of capacity. And I would even be so gregarious to say that a lot of people that are having a lot of these like mental outburst problem situations, public things, I want to say I, I'm going to go ahead and ma make a, I have a theory, un unproven, untested, <laughs> that maybe that is some, some residual from what's happened the last couple of years. Of people oh, not having the capacity, not having the tolerance to deal with one more thing. And and yep. when people say they snap, that is kind of what happens, right? So yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because that is something that's very real. And I think everybody can understand that on some level, even if they haven't walked through depression or yeah. uh, you know a significant grief or loss, that there are those days where you just now don't have that extra give. And that is kind of just where grief, loss, and depression sits. Is like you always don't have yeah. that extra. 
No. And I wish at the time, um, not to say that anything would, would have changed. I'm happy in where I'm at right now, but, uh, I wish at the time I would have had the tools and the, um, the capacity to sit down and be like, I need you to be more empathetic. I'm still grieving. Like it didn't stop three months after she died. Like this is an ongoing process. Um, you know, that wasn't even the hardest time for me. It's, and I just, I didn't feel the empathy and the compassion that I wish I would have gotten or that I feel like I would have given, you know? So like, that's the thing. It's like the people in your life that are going through grieving processes, depression, anxiety, it's like, let's, can we just have some fucking compassion and empathy for our people? <laughs> like, you know, there's a, there's a point where you step in if you feel like there's, it, things are harmful, but it's, you just gotta, you gotta let people get through this because they're, uh, for me, I was trying to figure out what my life looked like now. Like my entire life, it was me and my mom. And now she's gone. What does that mean? I was trying to find myself again. Like, who am I without my mother? You know, and mm. that's not a quick turnaround. That's going to no. take some time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's just, I can't say it enough. Just empathy and compassion. Always. You just got to show people that because you truly don't know what's happened to them, where they are in any process. And, you know, some people are just assholes, let's be honest. But for the most part, if people are, you know, acting a little, if one of your friends is acting a little strange or whatever, it's have some compassion and talk to them and right. ask them what's going on. Ask them if they're okay. Right. Ask them if you can help and be there for them. That's all right. I needed. Um, I had, I have some very special people in my life that were able to do that for me. And I have some people that were in my life who were not able to do that for me. And I have um, not made the cut since. <laughs> Haven't made the cut. Yep. No, I'm sorry. I don't, I just, at this point in my life, and I think everyone should be in the same headspace. Like I don't have the time for the people who don't have the time for me. Right. And it's just like, I love my people very deeply and I feel the same from them. And it's not worth it for me to have shallow relationships anymore. I don't need the good time gal to go out with. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't need, uh, a million friends. I'm good with five that I trust with my entire heart. And I yeah. have, I feel like I've found that tribe and those people, but definitely through grief, I lost a lot of people. Um, not right. a lot, but I definitely lost uh, people who I thought were my close friends. Right. They couldn't handle it. They couldn't be, right. uh, when the, when the fun stopped, they were out basically right when so fun they, they abby, <laughs> yeah when fun abby had you know to deal with some real shit they were like oh i'm good mm, yeah. that's uncomfortable yeah it's stage left <laughs> well and i think yeah i think like you know i think that's a lot again going back to people's inability to sit and tolerate discomfort um i think it's why practicing holding space for people is so important and something we as a society have never been really taught how to do. And unless it's been modeled, you know, for us or someone's really taught us how to do it, uh, we've been raised kind of around people who have kind of done the same thing over and over again, which has showed us how to cover up their own anxiety through difficult situations. And so 
It's offering solutions that no one's asked for. It's offering advice that no one's asked for. It's saying things like at least and trying to like give it the silver lining that no one asked for or needs necessarily. It's, you know, it's the saying, uh, it's saying be strong. You know, it's all these things that their hope is to inspire you to say something, to feel like they're offering something, but really all it is is mediating their own anxiety because it's so painful to sit and watch someone suffer. And watching someone suffer brings up their own suffering. So they either sit with it and have to just sit with you with it, which is what holding space is sometimes, um, Mm -hmm. or they, what my friend Jada, who's got a master's in psychology will say is they purge it. And so they try to push it as far away from them by saying those things and doing those things because they can't tolerate the feeling. Um, oh, I witnessed a lot of purging during yeah. my, the height of my grief. Yep. Yeah. They were uncomfortable it, it, and they couldn't, they didn't, they didn't want to sit in their own shit. And no. I was reminding them of, uh, you know, that, that type of feeling and, uh, they weren't in. Yeah. And like, I so, get bye. it, you know, not everyone can, can tolerate it, you know, because especially if you do suffer with your own mental health or your, you, like you said, when you were going through your stuff and your friend was also going through your stuff, like not every, you have to, you know, be honest about how much of that you can take, how much of that you can lend yourself to, you know, and be reasonable. But at the same time, like, it's just hard to do. And that's why nobody wants to do it. Now, yeah. was there anything that you recall that surprised you about grief or about this process? Um, or even I just about a downer. Life. Well, the uh, what I will say is like the worst. It doesn't go away. You just uh, you're better equipped. So I still miss my mom terribly every single day. I think about her. I I talk to her constantly, and I want I want to pick up the phone and call her right now, and I can't do that, and that's still painful. However, it's not the pain it was before, and. I now, uh, I don't know if I've sort of trained myself, but anytime I, I have an image that won't leave my head, which is not great. It's her in a hospital bed and it's, it, unfortunately it lives there and it's not going anywhere and there's nothing I can do to get rid of it. So what I've been trying to train myself to do, and I actually think it's working is the second that image pops up, I go directly to another image. I have to think about her laughing or her doing something that she loves or, uh, just in a good place and healthy. Like I just have, you, I have to switch it out because if I live in that space, it's going to get dark. And I don't want that for myself. I want to be happy. I want to be lighter. I don't want to um, always be in the heavy place. Um, so that's, that, that's what helped me, helps me get out of it. And I have, um, I have little things throughout my house, not like big photos of her or anything, but things that are uh, for me that I know have her, you know, essence or um, like, it's something that she enjoyed. And so I just, I have little things here and there, so it doesn't look like a shrine to my dead mom. But but it's I wasn't going to say it, but I wanted yeah. to. <laughs> I just my entire apartment's a shrine. Uh, yeah, no, but it's I little mean, like she like fireflies. I got a little firefly here and there, right. and it just yeah. makes me feel like she's still here, even though you know I know physically she's not. But it makes me happy to keep things that she enjoyed around me. 
Yeah. So, uh, gr- grief's, grief is uh, one of the more difficult things I've ever gone through in my life, I would say. Um, and life is trying. We all go through a lot. But it's it's the one thing that it's inevitable. You can't avoid it. It doesn't matter how much money. You it doesn't matter what your status is in life. It's happening to you. And uh, I like as a community, we all just need to be there, you know, let, let people fall when they need to fall, help them get up, you know, dust their knees off for them and just, uh, take some pride and, uh, in ourselves by, by helping other people. That makes me feel really good about myself. When I, when I can be of service to someone, that's a love language to me. You know, I really like to be in service and I enjoy other people who likes like that as well. And that's like, if you can get a tribe of people that are, you know, service driven and want to really love each other and take care of each other, that's the way we're supposed to be. We're supposed to live in small communities that gather around when someone needs it. And uh, the way our society is currently built, it, that is not the case. And we're sort of like on this journey alone. Um, but don't keep to yourself. You know, you got to pull those people in. Sorry, I feel like I'm rambling at this nope, point. <laughs> nope, and I wanted you to keep going because I talk about tribalism a lot in my yeah. uh, when I when I make observations about you know my world and how we're moving through this world. Um, you're absolutely right about tribalism. If you think about how humans first kind of became in their little societies, they were small. Everybody knew everybody else. Yeah. Everybody knew what their innate gifts were that they helped with the tribe, and you know. If you got thrown out of the tribe, aka shunned, you know, um, if you did something so bad to get kicked out of the tribe, that tribe, that was your survival, right? So that you, you, the abandonment fears we have, whether they're real or not, like what, like very rarely are we abandoned by someone and it's going to be our livelihood, right? As adults, Mm -hmm. you know, but, but that's what it triggers in a survival as someone who, you know, we are innately tribal and, we have now mistaken things like all of the people we know on Facebook and Instagram as our tribe. And we were never meant to know that many people. We were never meant to keep mm-hmm. that many people straight. We were never meant to know that many things about other people and compare and despair about that. Like it has our, we still see it as our tribe of everyone we know, but it is so um, absolutely f- so far from what, what it actuality would be to make us happy. And you brought up being of service. When you think of being in a small community or small tribe, everybody does what they do to help out. It's very communal. You know, you're, you feel like you have purpose because you are a part of helping everybody else. And I think there's something really magical, magical about being in, uh, of service. Um, they talk about a lot of that in recovery rooms. So if you're familiar with 12 steps, anyone who's listening, if you've been, a part of a 12-step program, you know anything about 12 steps, being of service is a big, big deal, not only in running the meetings and in the program, but also encouraging people to be of service in their life in some way, shape, or form. Um, And that can look a lot of different ways, right? That can look like meeting someone for coffee who's gone through something, or that can look like helping someone move or helping someone with a show they're doing, you know, that you're not being paid for, or maybe paid for, I don't know, or like, you know, just these different things helping out in your, in your, tribe of people and people laugh a lot because I will when people thank me for things a lot of times I will say I'm happy to be of service and they think I'm joking and I am a little bit because sometimes I salute to make it yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) 
but I am kind of serious. You're a like showgirl. Yes, because I'm a showgirl, and um, I should do the splits when I do it too. But you know, some people think it's kind of like a joke, and I have said it to people in a jokey matter, like when they do something like really minute, I might be like, thank you for your service, you know, like, or something that isn't necessarily service driven. So I do joke about a lot, but there is something to that. And like, I know that when I'm not in the best place, I need to do more being of service, but that's the last thing I want to fucking do when I'm there. Let me tell you, let me, like, the hard part isn't doing the service. The hard part is going to like, to do this, like, from going from that's the last thing I want to do to doing that thing. The contrary action of that is so difficult. And that's like in the grief, like reach out. No, like that might be really hard. And yes, that that's contrary action, right? Usually the thing you want to do least is what you should do most. Like if the thing you want to do least is get off the couch and take a shower, then that's probably the thing you need to do most. If the last thing you want to do is talk to anyone, probably the first thing you should do is talk to someone. Um, But that's the head trip and that's the hard part. Yeah, but it's worth it. If you do do the thing, you, I wouldn't say rewarded for it, but it does help. Uh, You know, it's, the hard stuff getting through the hard stuff uh you feel better on the other side of doing whatever that task was even if it was just going to the grocery store you've accomplished something it's it's everything is baby steps one foot in front of the other Mm -hmm. and um in alignment with that like i found and i've said this over time a lot in the last season um secrets keep us sick and so and I don't mean a secret like, you know, something traumatizing that happened to you that you were told, don't you dare say this or I'll kill you. Like, I mean, any sure. secret. So like, like, you know, I don't drink. I'm sober. Um, You know, there's been moments where I am like, why am I sober? Now, the interesting thing is I might say that to people around me, like, I don't even know why I'm sober. But guess who I won't say that to is alcoholics. And guess that's those are the people I should be saying that to. Like, those are exactly the people I need to be like, hey, why am I even sober? Those are the people I should be telling those secrets to, right? Yeah. Or, and and I mean, the first step to even say it out loud is obviously like outing yourself, but then take it to the next level. Say those things to the people who need to hear those things, right? Yeah. You know, like there are people, certain secrets need to be heard by certain groups of people, you know? So I think that's another thing is like, and I think that's I what you were so, what I witnessed you be so good at is like really being honest about like, I'm so fucked up over my mom dying. Like I never thought you were having a good fucking time. Not only did I, not only did I witness you not having it, like, first of all, there were times you weren't around because of this situation. Right. So I knew about it before I even saw you. And then there were times I saw you and you were like, I'm just fucking trying to get through. I'm like fucking drowning. I'm just trying to get through it, you know? And then there were times like I never saw any of your happy shit. So apparently like I, I saw like the entire and I just thought it was so badass that you were so unapologetically honest about it because I. As honest as people think I am, it has just been in the last several years or couple years that I've decided to be really honest. I'm honest in my opinions, but I'm not honest about my own experiences until the last couple of years. So anytime I see someone be that bold, I'm like, oh, 
Yes. So, like, you know, you being so absolutely, you know, like, not uncensored, you know, grief of, like, this is bad. This is terrible. Like, I hate it. Like, everything about And, like, it's, I found that very refreshing. And it's not about me. And it wasn't for me. But you have, like, I I hope you know that, like, it was authentic and obviously something that stuck with me since you were one of the first people I thought about to come on to the podcast. Yeah. And even though it's been a few years, you know, like, and we aren't always in touch, you know, I was just like, man, Abby went through that, like real honest and real loud. <laughs> and like, I feel like I did think, I mean, I actually think that the being called bold by another bold woman, I will never turn that down. I appreciate it. Like you would not understand. Um, but I just, I think I was at a point where I was like, fuck everyone else. Who gives a shit? Like, I have to be here. This is my work. This is, you know, I don't work for someone else. This is my shit. If I'm not here, things don't right. happen. I don't have a choice. Right. I have to be here. It is what it is. Listen, I'm I'm going to be here in whatever capacity I can be here. Sorry if you're uncomfortable. <laughs> but And uh, it didn't I mean, feel like I anybody really was. Yeah. And yeah, I, didn't, no, it, I didn't think it didn't seem like it it wasn't, it didn't do a disservice to anyone or anything. It was just being really real instead of being like, Oh, you know, I'm okay. I'm just going through it. You know, you were just like, yeah, it's bad. You know, it's bad. (laughs) Yeah. I wasn't trying to put on a happy face when I didn't want to. That was the, that was, I just like, I, I need to be true to myself. Um, you, however, whatever my emotion makes you feel that's not my problem like that's you uh, this is what i'm going through if you're not able to deal with that well that's on you i i don't know what to tell you i'm not going to be fake to make you comfortable um i'm gonna be who i am and if you don't like that that's fine you don't have to be around me we can you know we can do that but uh i just i gotta stay true to myself and frankly i'm not a good enough actress to fake it anyways so why try (laughs) no I mean I think it's remarkable and I think everybody could learn something from that because I wonder I wonder I wonder if we all started paying attention to how many times during the day for some of us who are like really people pleasy or you know whatever like how many times during the day we adjust our reactions or our situations to kind of caretake other people and their responses Mm -hmm. and the fact of the matter is when you're going through some kind of grief or grieving or loss or depression, whatever, you absolutely have to remind yourself that you're not responsible for other people's reactions. You're not responsible for the anxiety they're feeling listening to you. You're not responsible for their sadness that it triggers within them. Like you're not responsible for other people's feelings. You're not responsible for other people's reactions. Um, I think, I mean, that's like a huge staple of like a lot of recoveries is like, you yeah, know, not uh, not taking other people's feelings like you're responsible for them, especially depending on the household you grew up in. Um, yeah, yeah. I sort of just wish that everyone could just drop the act and just be honest. And I don't mean like yeah, yeah. Be nice to people. Sometimes you don't feel like being nice, and you'll be nice. That's I don't think that's like an act. I think that's just trying to be genuinely a good human. But if we all just like kept space for other people to express shit. Like if I'm having conversation with you and you say something triggering to me, I want to feel comfortable being like, 
Oh, this is a super triggering subject, and I don't, I don't think I can continue in talking about that. Can we talk about something else, or like, can I bounce the fuck out of here? I don't know. I just, I think that you, honesty is literally the only way to get through life. You can't fake it till you make it. There's no such thing. You're just, you were trying until you make it, and it, it's just, you are responsible for your emotions. No one else is. You are responsible for how you react to things. And if you feel that you're going to have a negative reaction, then either pull yourself out of the situation or be honest about it and say, this makes me feel X, Y, Z. And because of that, I need to, you know, leave, quit talking, whatever it is. Um, Just, just be honest. it's easy with the people who are close to like, I've got, I've got friends that I can be like, yeah, I'm not talking about that right now. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, okay. And mm-hmm. it's just full stop and they're good. And it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. and doesn't change our relationship, but you just have to be, you have to be honest. Um, there's no reward for being fake. There's no reward for hiding true feelings. There's, you know, you're not going to get anything out of, out of that by trying to make other people feel comfortable. And I don't, I don't try to make other people feel uncomfortable, but I'm also not taking ownership over their emotions and reactions. Mm-hmm. I think that's healthy. I think that's really healthy. I love that you said, don't fake it till you make it. Just, you know, you're trying until you make it. I think that's like a big one. I hate the phrase fake it till you make it. I might've said it <laughs> once or twice under the oh, guise I'm sure of like, I have. when, but, but like under the guise of like, faking confidence, but I don't even like saying that because I want you to find something authentic to relate to for confidence. And confidence is such a hard thing to kind of uh, curate, right? Because it is something that unless you can pretend to be someone else, which is one way you can do it, you could pretend to be the confident person that you are seeing that you would like to be like, or you can, you know, think of something about yourself that is undeniable that can bring confidence or there is this idea like fake it till you make it, but you still have to go through a process of how to fake it. If you don't have real confidence, you still have to find a way. So I love that you just trying because it's the same thing. If you're going to fake it till you make it, you're still trying to make it. The only difference is you're not being inauthentic. You know? Yeah. I love that. Um, Yeah. (laughs) How do you, now do you have like, do you have any kind of like a belief system or a spirituality that kind of helped you through this? Um, and, and in addition to this question, and you did kind of touch on it already. So if you had another um, experience you wanted to mention like that, um, the mystical thing of the people falling from the sky, yeah. if there's any other kind of unexplained, yeah. I like to, oh, I like I've to got branch tons of those. <laughs> belief system, spirituality, and also like branch them with like unexplained mystical, magical stuff, because I find that most people who've gone through a loss have one of these to share. Yeah. So I, one, as far as spirituality, my belief system is that we just treat people with kindness. And I know that I haven't always done that, but that's, that's, I, that's what the literal Bible is. To, it, it's a guidebook. It was, it was originally meant, meant as a guidebook to make people one, try and be good to each other. And the, the other part is the controlling factor. We don't need to talk about that. Um, right. But it was in a sense, like, yo, you guys calm down, be good. And it was, and really it is just being kind. If you see someone that needs help, help them. If someone falls down, help them up. I just 
saved a dog from almost getting hit by a car the other day. You know, like mm-hmm. it's it's just just try and be the best version of yourself as you can. And that is my entire philosophy. But I don't really have like a like a faith base. Um, but I do believe that there we are connected and there's a universal sort of thing, even if it's just gravity doing shit to us. Um, I think we're all connected and I think uh, things happen for a reason. And um, I do believe that the universe will conspire for you if you're if you're willing and open to it. Um, so I, I did I did have another pretty good one happen. Um, I was in my anger portion of my grief process. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was very mad at my mom for being gone. I was furious with her because um, I was still feeling her in situations or like felt connected to her um, for a while. And um, I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's the mind playing tricks on me or if she actually was in an aura around me. Who knows? But I choose to believe that she was uh, she was here. Like her spirit was still like chilling, trying to make sure I'm okay. And then I stopped feeling it. Um, and I got really mad and I'm like, oh, you left me again. I mean, I already had abandoned issues before. Now you're dead. Mm -hmm. And now Mm -hmm. your spirit has also left me. Mm -hmm. And I know how that sounds, but that's, those were the feelings inside of me. I just felt completely alone, completely abandoned. And I was so fucking mad at her. And it's, Mm -hmm. that is a little weird to say out loud, but, um, I mean, I like, I was angry. And so I took my dog for a walk. Sorry, he's right here. I'm like, please don't stand up and want one. Um, for W-A-L-K. Yeah, you heard it. Uh, yep, yep. <laughs> he did perk up. And I'm like stomping through the, I'm walking up in the hills in Hollywood. And um, I'm literally just, I, I must have looked like I was on my way to murder someone. I was so mad. I'm just stomping through and dragging my dog. And I'm like, why? aren't you here? I don't feel you. Why did you leave? And I'm just like pissed and I'm crying. And, um, all of a sudden this like swarm of something like comes over the hill right above me. And it's a swarm of dragonflies. Oh, I don't know if I've never seen a dragonfly in California, (laughs) (laughs) let alone in the hills. Um, yeah, so dragonflies and people falling from the sky are not things I've seen. Right. So I I don't know if that's how they travel. I don't know if it's like a I've never seen them in swarms. They do. I I've I grew up in Minnesota them. and they didn't grow in swarms. There you would see them out in the lake and sometimes you'd see two of them if they're mating, but Yeah, exactly. You just see them on top of each other and yeah. then call it a day. But yeah, same same with me. This is the only time I've seen that and they're literally like following me it's just this mass it's kind of gross actually because you think about just a bunch of bugs following me but, yeah, but dragonflies was... are very cool <laughs> beautiful yeah they're very yeah, pretty but it, was, it was all dragonflies and i just stood there and i was like okay i get it like, yeah you're, you're like here. okay thanks. jesus she she right. was very loud and even in the afterlife yeah. her messages have been quite loud and pronounced uh, but that was kind of, i was like okay 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 i'll relax and it did give me, so whether you believe it or not, it gave me relief and that's all I need to know. You know, it made me feel like I wasn't alone and it made me feel like I was still connected to her and it was really weird, but you know, she's, she's done that, that a story. few times to me. Yeah. That's <laughs> just great. a swarm. 
Well, because, oh, I guess I didn't even tell you. Well, I mentioned it earlier, but dragonflies are like her favorite thing. She loves right, them. She has said. a tattoo. Yeah, she had a dragonfly tattoo. She had little trinkets everywhere. And so it's like, now that's my little thing. I can just put one up in a room here. It's not obnoxious. It's not like my whole house, but I have like a little gold one in my living room and then like a line drawing of one over there. And it just makes me feel good. I makes me that. feel connected. Great story. Yeah. Yeah. That's a <laughs> wonderful story. I love it. So I have one, one last question for you. I often don't like to give unsolicited. Well, no, that's not true. I love giving unsolicited advice, but I try not to give unsolicited <laughs> advice. And I try not to ask other people to give unsolicited advice. But on the podcast, I always like to ask, what is your suggestion for people who might be suffering right now? Do you have a suggestion for anyone who may be deep in their grief right now? Um, man, I just, you just have to keep going. You know, uh, your life's not over. Just, just keep going. Crash when you need to crash. If you need to shut off here and there, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I've done it. Um, one, one thing I, I've thought about is having, having one or two people, um, you know, if you're fortunate enough to have these types of friends in your life, um, which I hope everyone does, uh, having people that you can just maybe say one thing to, or uh, even if it's like sending an emoji to them to let them know that maybe you need them and not things from them, but maybe I need it. Can you just come sit on the couch? It, you know, just a like a little inside thing where if I send you like a fucking couch emoji, you know, that I I just want you to come and sit down and watch TV with me. You know, it's just, uh, finding ways to ask for help without having to be like, I need, I need help, help. because that's right. so hard to do. It is so hard yeah. to ask for help. So if, if you have one, one conversation with one or two of your closest people and you can say, if I'm not okay, I'm going to do this, whether it's text you like XO or something, then if, you know, if you're available, it would be cool if you could, um, you know, come by or, or we go to a park or something. But yeah, I just keep going. It gets better. The pain never truly goes away. But I will say that I'm in a great place right now, even though I've gone through all of this. Um, I feel good. Um, I take care of myself, which was hard. That was hard. That's one thing I, uh, going to the gym or getting any sort of exercise was really difficult when I was in the peak. Uh, but it did help every time I did go, not to say that I went all the time. I definitely gained a few, but who cares, right? Like in the grand scheme of things, as long as you're uh, taking care of yourself, um, who cares what you weigh? But uh, I just, move, move, just move and have your people around you and don't make excuses or don't feel bad about feeling bad and be able to tell people, I feel like shit right now. I don't, you don't have to be the life of the party all the time. You don't have to be the friend that's, you know, always down for whatever, never cancels, cancel plans. Who cares if you need to, if you need to, be in your feelings, be in your feelings, just be able to communicate that as well. Like I feel totally fine in this part, uh, part of my life, texting a friend that I had plans with saying, 
I'm not feeling great and I don't know that I'm going to be in the best mood. Can we reschedule? I don't have a problem with saying that. Um, I wish more people were in that too. And we're also understanding of receiving that communication. Um, yeah, empathy. Abby, I loved everything you said today. Thank you so, so much for coming on Gray Maybe and telling about your experience and talking about the hard stuff. I really appreciate it. Of course. I'm so happy to have done this. Um, I love what you're doing here. Speaking of bold, it is very bold to be talking about the subject matters that you, matters that you have chosen. They're taboo and I love it. I'm living for it. Um, I know that there's probably a lot of people that are not even saying anything to you that appreciate what you're doing. So keep doing the good work for all of us and talk about the shit that no one wants to talk about so we can hear it. <laughs> Man, thank you so, so much. I appreciate that because, yes, it's definitely I'm not picking the light and bright stuff, unfortunately. <laughs> but I'm not light and bright. So what do you expect? Uh, thank you so much. All right. It was so great to catch up with Abby and get more insight to her experience with grief and the complications that can arise when people around you are unfamiliar with the grieving process. Abby has always been a very strong and powerful energy to me in voice, in business, and in body. And she has always been a bold and courageous example of navigating her grief authentically. I feel so much gratitude for knowing her and being able to witness her process. If you're listening to this episode and you're experiencing grief, welcome, and I hope this helps your journey. You're not alone. Just a reminder, for anyone who needs to hear it, you don't need to have experienced a giant catastrophic event or a death to experience grief. Know that whatever you're feeling, there are those among us who have probably felt it too. You're not alone. If you're listening and you have someone you love in your life that is grieving, Welcome. You are also not alone. We as a society have a long way to go in being able to tolerate and help those closest to us manage grief. I've included a link in the show notes for the do's and don'ts, which I'm going to read here. Don't assign positive meaning to their loss. In our effort to encourage and support the griever, we may try to project the current situation into a better future way too soon. Saying, Time will heal all things is not helpful. Prophesizing a future positive meaning on top of the grieving person's crushing and devastating loss tends to minimize the griever's current agony, essentially suggesting that they sweep their pain under the rug while focusing on some potential positive long-term outcome. Stay in the moment with the griever. Follow the grieving person's lead. Be an attentive, active listener. Allow the griever to take the conversation where it needs to go. Make room for plenty of silence. Don't jump in to fill space with unnecessary commentary. Sometimes before a two-way conversation can even begin, the griever just wants someone to sit with, literally or virtually. No questions or words of comfort are needed to fill silence. Presence is often what the griever really needs. On their own, sometimes the grieving person will identify a silver lining or hopeful thought that adds meaning to their loss. 
this is a normal and often constructive way to cope with grief. Remember, the griever is the only person who can know what this loss means to them. Only the griever can make meaning of their experience. Once they do so, it's appropriate to support them in their newfound hope. Use the name of the lost loved one. While you are comforting the griever, all of their emotions are tied up in the loss of their beloved. Saying their loved one's name out loud is a way of validating the life of that person. Say Anne, not your sister. Say Alan, not your son. Say Stu, not your husband. Don't ever be afraid to mention the person lost. Grievers want to talk. Memories are all that remain after a loss, and talking about the person who died helps to keep them alive in broken hearts. Refrain from platitudes. Refrain from platitudes, religious or otherwise, like, they are in a better place, or time heals all things, or everything happens for a reason. Don't pretend that you know the answer. You don't. No one does. As a person who desires to support a griever, pay attention to what you say. Never say anything that starts with the phrase, at least. Comparing and contrasting your own grief experiences or dreamed-up hypothetical ones with the reality of the loss that just happened is missing the mark in several ways. Making your loss the topic of conversation is asking the grieving person to switch their focus and empathize with your grief at a time when the total focus should be on them. Don't say, I know how you feel. You don't. Seems to me describing how something worse could have happened represents a thwarted attempt to say something, no matter how unhelpful. Stay out of your empty word, ill-informed autopilot script. Choose not to go there. Be open to the expression of any emotion. As an active listener, be open to any emotions the griever may express through verbal or nonverbal means. Anger, yelling, silence, rage, disbelief, denial, crying, pacing around the room, shouting, rocking back and forth, wringing hands, clenched fists, avoiding eye contact, needing to be held, avoiding touch, etc. Be observant about what the griever is expressing, overt or subtle, and allow a safe space to be in that moment. Do not in any way tell them not to feel what they are feeling. Remember anniversaries. Try to remember anniversaries such as the birthday of the person who died and the anniversary of the date of their death. Sending a card or a text will let the griever know that you are remembering too, reminding them that they are not alone. If you've made it this far, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you were able to find something relatable in today's episode. If you'd like to show your support for this podcast, consider making a donation on Spotify. It would also be very helpful if you could rate, share, comment, and subscribe. If you'd like to contact the podcast, please email graymaybestories at gmail.com. G-R-E-Y-M-A-Y-B-E-S-T-O-R-I-E-S at gmail.com. Thank you to everyone who helped make this Gray Maybe podcast happen. Producer and editor, Roderick Barge. Cover photo by Jose Perez. Music licensed by Pixabay. Special Counsel Jada Ellingham and Roderick Barge. Special shout out to supporter Patty Olgan. Until next time, bye for now.